Today's episode is sponsored by CISO, S-E-E-S-O, the new premium comedy streaming service made for the serious comedy connoisseur. They really do have a whole bunch of awesome stuff on there. I know, like, the Kids in the Hall catalog is on there, a lot of uh, great sketch comedy. They also have this new original series, Bajillion Dollar Properties, uh, which was created by Kulab Valesek, which is... Uh, it premieres on March 17th. It's a half-hour semi-scripted comedy about the cutthroat world of luxury real estate in L.A. It's Reno 911 meets Million Dollar Listings. Um, I have never seen Million Dollar Listings, but I have seen Bajillion Dollar Properties, and it's really good. Uh, you would do well to check it out. Uh, it's got, in, in addition to Kulop, it's got Paul F. Tompkins, who is always great. Uh, it's, it's got uh, Dave Keckner, Jason Matsukas, uh, Horatio Sands, Andy Richter, uh, it's executive produced by friends of the show, Tom Lennon, Robert Ben Garant, uh, and Scott Ackerman, uh, you know, of Comedy Bang Bang. So check it out. The sure to be hit bajillion dollar properties is only available on CISO.com. Sign up now for only $3.99 a month to stream the first two episodes, and new episodes come out every Thursday. Uh, poke around online, find some stuff about this. It's a really good show, and CISO is doing some really cool stuff. So thanks to them for sponsoring this episode, and congratulations to them on doing cool things. Hey, great live panel coming up in Los Angeles with all of the writers of Conan. They're really funny. Get tickets, support 826LA, come learn how the Conan Writer's Room works. Check it out at writerspanel.tumblr.com or follow me on Twitter at Ben Blacker. I'll post that link all the time. Hope to see you there. Now entering Nerdist.com. Welcome to the Writers Panel. I'm Ben Blacker, the creator and moderator of the podcast. I created the show because I wanted to talk to writers about the business and process of writing. I've had more than 400 writers on the show, so go back and check the archives. I'm sure you'll find more creators and more shows that you're interested in. I'm a writer myself, having written with my partner, Ben Acker, for Supernatural, Puss in Boots, FX's Cassius and Clay, among others. We've also written comics from Marvel, Image, Dynamite, and more. We created a show called The Thrilling Adventure Hour. Maybe you'd like it. Go to thrillingadventurehour.com for more info. Let me know who you want to hear on this podcast by following me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker. Like the color, only more so. Uh, and follow me on Tumblr at writerspanel.tumblr.com. And if you enjoy the show, please leave a review on iTunes. It always makes me feel good about myself. Thanks for talking to me. Oh, it's really my pleasure. Thank you. You have a lovely me. office. Uh, I'm borrowing it from close to Flockhart, <laughs> but it's uh, it's pretty impressive. I've never met actually anyone with an office this size. <laughs> right. Peter Roth came in and was like, "What the hell? <laughs> He's moving in next <laughs> Why week. Why am I in my office?" Um, it's all very cool here. Um, let's talk about Supergirl. Um, as you just said, you're finishing up the season, twenty episodes, which is. Insane. Like, nobody does 20 episodes anymore. It's exciting. You realize that. <laughs> well, it's not just 20 episodes. Because we're doing three TV shows and one TV show with the, the, you know, the stunts, the, the action, the visual effects, the romance, the genre, it just ends up feeling like three for your one. <laughs> so really, Absolutely. the 60th episode is super <laughs> <laughs> Does it feel like 60? It's a very big, I mean, it's super in all its superlative ways. It's yeah. very large production-wise, and we are trying to accomplish a lot, and we never go, like, is that possible? We're always looking for solutions and bigger, and it's we try to do the Cadillac version, and it's really, uh, you know, it's daunting sometimes as you're looking into a Friday night uh, stunt <laughs> sequence at around 5 o'clock call time. I mean, it's, it's yeah. I can imagine, but i got to say, I mean, it, it shows on screen that you guys put it all out there. No, that's awesome. You know. to hear. Um, what? Uh, tell me about your how you got involved with this project because I mean, looking at your yes, it's a credit. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. Yeah. Like it absolutely fits. Although when the show was first pitched 
to the public. I right. don't know that we would have seen how it fits in with your resume. I mean, that's the beauty does. of Greg Berlanti. So, um, kind of is, yeah. the story, the, the Ali Adler canon, as it were, on this, um, is that, you know, I've, I've done a lot of, um, half hour, I've done a lot of one hour, and in, in bringing, uh, this to the television. Well, Greg, uh, I worked with Greg on a show called No Ordinary Family, mm-hmm. which is a, f- a family superhero show at ABC when he uh, was over at ABC TV. And um, we, I love him and respect him so much. And we had a really um, beautiful relationship, um, friendship and, and otherwise. And so when uh, he'd started to have some success with, with Arrow and Flash, with uh, Mark Guggenheim and Andrew Kreisberg, and I, and I think in looking to you know, add this arrow to his quiver, as as it were. Um, he and Susan Rovner at Warner Brothers. Um, you know, I think it's nice that you know they thought about bringing a female uh, voice into it. And he he called me one day and said, "Hey, you know, what are you doing?" And I just finished. Um, uh, a show that I co-created with Ryan Murphy called N- "The New Normal," and before that, I'd worked on Glee. And um, and he called me and said, "What are you doing?" And and I'd love to do something. And I have something in particular to talk to you about. And then he brandished the gold standard of you know the glyph, the S, the miraculous uh, S. And I just couldn't resist. So the the you know the auspices were too great. So. Mm-hmm. Well, and let's let's talk sort of about the. The project, and then and then we'll get into the sort of the nuts and bolts of it. But what did that mean to you? Well, you know, we talk about this a lot. Like in terms of branding, if you just see a big yellow M, you know what kind of French fries you'll be eating. <laughs> you know, and if you just see a crucifix around someone's neck, you know it's that big religion. And uh, I think for me, it's you know in growing up um, with comic books a little bit and. Uh, kind of coveting my brother's darker colors and uh, you know beautiful panels and grittier um, when I was used to like um, you know Casper the gender amorphous ghost um, so I think that um, I just think that I wanted to um, explore this world which is as I said before it's a hybrid it's, it's very much um, an emotional ride but there's so much um, expected of these performers with um you know, in action and, and visual effects, yeah. it, it's challenging. Um, yeah, I mean, it feels like it's, it's sort of a, a sideways step from a lot of the stuff that Greg had done with Arrow and Flash. Uh, but it's absolutely in, you know, it's his wheelhouse mm-hmm. and it's clearly yours to have the soap opera and the work comedy and, you know, all of the stuff. What did the pitch for that look like? Oh, my God. It's <laughs> very rehearsed. Um, I think we wanted to, it actually started out with this manifesto I wrote, just like, you know, and it actually sounded a lot like that with the, you know, the gold standard of this superhero, you know, all those other great heroes, Flash and Arrow included. I think, you know, we all look at Superman as the one, you know, the, the, the big successful man of steel. And I think in talking about our presidential election and, um, uh, you know, all, all the different, you know, uh, female-driven blockbuster at the movies. And we just talked about, like, wanting to be ahead of that wave of, you know, just putting on uh, a suit and having her power be um, incidental that she's female, but very exciting for people. Um, I have a 11-year-old and I have an 8-year-old, and I, I just think they get to see something iconic on TV, and it's great that it's a woman. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the thing that you guys are doing really well and really smartly is the girl in Supergirl. You know, it's she's not perfect. Yeah. You know, and as much as you get to see this icon, you also get to see... It's a coming-of-age story in a lot of ways. And certainly there's guy superheroes that are not perfect, but we sort of um, steer into the fact that it can look a little messy and she still gets to be a hero. And I think that's all of us. I mean, as you say, it's... It's. Uh, I think we get to dabble more in the emotional, like um, tributaries of that because it's Supergirl. But I mean, I'd love to see a Superman that got to have those more emotional, talky discussions. We just don't get to. So we, uh, in ways, it's behind the cape. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you get to sneak this yeah, in. Yeah, so, I'm so excited. <laughs> what are those conversations? You know, it's it's that kind of thing. Like, she could literally have a dinner party where people are going, what kind of superpower would you have? Invisibility or yeah. flight? Or, you know, so you get to embrace that. Which is such a, it's a fun tone, too, and it's so different from what Warner Brothers is doing in the movies, and I think mm-hmm. people are really responding to that from you guys and from Flash. Um, that's not a question. Just um, <laughs> I hope that's true. Um, what? Uh, so, so going back to this pitch idea. So, you know, you kind of have this manifesto document. Yeah. Um, it, these these female power brokers yeah. that are and and. Um, uh, Nina Tassler, who you know just stepped down from CBS mm-hmm. and, uh, and the president of CBS for you know tw- a long time, and she was so uh, so much our champion, our our superhero. Really, I don't mean to be trite, but she really championed this uh, project. And you know, Greg and I went in and uh, and uh, Andrew and and pitched this idea and the world and um, just embracing her strength, not necessarily uh, her gender, but just like you know coming in and to, and uh, Taking care of business, and she was so excited that you know she, it was became a serious commitment. It was it was really it's really cool. It was a great day at my house. I yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a rare thing, yeah. and as you said, like you know, looking at the stuff you've worked on, it's some of it last the season, some of it was more, but like. To get that kind of vote of confidence, you know, I certainly have a hybrid uh, resume, and I think you know, I I pull um, different pieces of all those credits um, into this, and you know, with the help of Greg and Andrew, we we embrace this genre. Yeah, how fully formed was? How close was it to the show that we know now? Those first conversations. Well, I mean, you know, our series document, as we, you know, they ask that you do Mm -hmm. all these preparatory pieces, and and I think. What we discussed, uh, before, you know, before pilot, during pilot, after pilot, pre big uh, hair, make all these episodes, uh, is pretty faithful. And the thing that we've found, uh, I think, you know, day in and day out, is is the dynamics that we put together. Our characters, you know, exploring their uh, dynamics in a scene or figuring out more of their backstory. That's been, you know, a little, a little more fluid. But the big series document is really uh, reflective, I think, what we talked about. Oh, interesting. And that, did that document discuss the season? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what is Cat wearing in episode 17? <laughs> it's pretty thorough, yeah. Good lord. <laughs> um, what, what have been some of the sort of Delightful surprises to you as you guys have gone through the season. Well, I mean, it, it, you know, you could ask all of us, Sarah Schechter as well, and you know, mm-hmm. who's our favorite? Um, to me, I really love uh, the sisters, and you know, Greg and I talked about it a long time ago. The the there's not a lot of adult siblings on TV, you know, he, him and brothers and sisters, and this is sister and sister and um, two people from literally different worlds coming together and finding where they um, they're yin and yangs. They how they help each other. How um, to me that thing of Supergirl being very uh, strong on the outside and very soft on the inside, and vice versa for Kyler Lee's character, uh, Alice Amber. She's very strong externally. Uh, uh, and internally um, it is very soft. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell me about putting the room together for this show? Where oh, our writer's room? Oh, my yeah, God, there's how, so many talented people. How big is the room, and, and how did you find these uh, great Well, these great with the help of uh, Sarah Schechter, Ryan Lindenberg, uh, Berlanti, and... Um, we just, you know, took a lot of time to read, and you know, people put it on the page. And uh, I think Greg and Andrew have had worked with some people, or people they couldn't hire on other shows, or people that I knew, or um, just it, it just is a really diverse, eclectic, talented group of writers that are just stars. Each one of them, so it's really exciting that um, you know to see. And again, it is a hybrid of resumes, so. Um, how they interact with each other, but it's uh, it's been really it's been really cool. That's really great. How uh, oh, it's how, also the most yeah. gender diverse room I've ever really? had a privilege to be in. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. It's cool. How did you make that happen? I know. So we just read a page, and letters actually have no <laughs> penises or vaginas. They Are just you sure? it's the twenty six. It's you throw them on the page and just scramble them around again. <laughs> uh, was there? I mean, just by way of example, pick pick anyone that you did wind up hiring, but was there stuff 
What were you responding to when you were reading the material? T- to me, in reading any script, I want to hear a voice. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of unfair because... Um, ultimately, we want the voice to be ours, yeah. or you know. So um, it is hard. It's like be unique so that you can stand in <laughs> line. But um, it's really you know the the characters. Um, our big voices get Max Lord has a big voice and Cat Grant has a big voice and Supergirl um, has her own voice versus Cara Danvers who has hers Kyler so I think um, we're just looking for in people's samples um, their own big voice hmm. well that makes a lot of sense and did you read uh, Strictly Pilots? Did you read plays? Did you read anything that came? Yes, and yes. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think we from everything, and and, you know, I'm thinking about our staff is um, that some of them are playwrights and some of them are long-term TV writers. Some of them are came out of the Warner Brothers Writers Program. Um, uh, Some uh, had procedural experience. Some. just had worked on cable. It's really like what's lovely about this hybrid is it's really, you know, we're stronger together. We definitely, like some people have an amazing uh, voice for action or some for emotion or humor, and so we, we try to weave all t- our strengths and weaknesses together. That's great. What, how does the room work? Uh, and also, again, like you've worked in a bunch of oh, yeah. terrific rooms, mm-hmm. and I assume some not so terrific rooms, <laughs> as, as we all do. Yes, we all learn from our worst experiences, what not to do, and our own experiences. So what have you taken with you from uh, previous rooms, and, and how are you running this room? Well, I think, you know, it depends on what part of the season. I think at the beginning, it's uh, it, uh, definitely in trying to, like, launch a show, it, it, it was a... a you know, the triumvirate sort of figuring out what the story was, Greg and, and Andrew, myself, and and uh, getting that out there and sort of getting, you know, the alchemy down, mm-hmm. getting the, um, the recipe in the restaurant, as it were, and uh, figuring that out and then sort of, you know, repeating and adding this flavor, subtracting this flavor. And I think, it, you know, the, certainly the beginning of the season, the first bunch, we uh, we used that method, and I think um, it became much more of a group experience after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what did you, what kind of conversations happened in the room? Oh my God, all the, all the silly conversations, <laughs> and then, you know, get, I think in general, um, we love to do uh, sort of like a, we call it a, a Chinese menu delivery op. So like what kind of set piece do you guys want? And mm-hmm. sometimes we build from there. Sometimes we build from like where we need to go arc-wise, um, uh, who we're focusing on in that episode, you know, aside from Kara, Supergirl. Um, we, uh, you know, tend to put a few different set pieces on it in terms of... Um, Sometimes we spend too much in one episode and need to have like a lighter episode. So some of it really depends on where we are production-wise. Oh, that's interesting. How are episodes broken? Uh, who is there? Who's writing on the board? What's what's how does well, it all it really, work? Well, it really varies. I mean, I think sometimes it comes from Greg's the the general idea or Andrew, and uh, you know we d- discuss it. And uh, sometimes Greg can get up and he's sort of like I don't want to say the Flash, but he has like this. Um, brain that moves very quickly and he'll just write down like these hyper beats and then we'll sort of pare it down or uh, Andrew can do that too in a, in a very um, rapid way and then we'll sort of pull out those beats a little bit more take a minute and uh, break down what those moments are um, sometimes we'll write you know in mass and sometimes we'll send a writer off or, or pair uh, one kind of superhero skill with another kind of superhero mm-hmm. skill um, uh, and see what I mean. So it's not just uh, actors that have great combinations um, sure. in chemistry. Sometimes we find some writers have amazing things to offer um, with one kind of partner, and we just come up with these like ad hoc partnerships for for a script. Um, and that's basically the process. And then it goes through whatever our own right. uh, rewrite processes. And and but we've had a, a lot of success like finding whatever uh, that voice is. I was curious about that rewrite process. I mean, I've worked on shows where there is very clearly mm-hmm. one creator of the show. Yeah. It's her vision. Yeah. Um, when there are three of you. Sure. Uh, and in fact, the writers all you know have a voice right. as well. What does that rewrite process look like? And and ultimately, who's 
whose voice is this show? Is it this amalgam of all of I think that's a really insightful question. I mean, I think at the end of the day, um, it's the Brillantiverse. And Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that Greg necessarily, you know, takes takes fingers to uh, keyboard every time. But there's definitely a process where we go through and make sure that uh, everyone's good. And whether that's Andrew or myself, and there's sort of a checks and balances on that. And, um, you know basically how the sausage is made. That makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. I mean, as you say, it it fits into what he does, what Greg does. I mean, as much brothers and sisters as Flash. For sure. Um, Speaking of Flash, we're going to put this out. uh, I think the day of that episode. Of 18, the big 18. Yes. Everybody is excited about this. Myself included. How how did this actually come together? Wow. Well, um... I'd worked with Melissa Minoise on Glee and knew Grant from Glee. And then, uh, oh, my God, I had, um, Melissa and I had this sort of, it's like a little bit of a um, starred experience. Like, I uh, I was on, uh, I think maybe New Normal when she was on Glee. And, no, I was on Glee and Blake, her husband, um, auditioned on the Glee Project live <laughs> and Ryan Murphy asked me and Roberto Aguirre Sacasa who's actually on Supergirl yeah. to be on camera judges and so like we chose Blake as of the winner and then later I'm sitting in front of Melissa Benoist who we I'm sure this is the famous story saw her first in the auditions and we just were all so passionate and united immediately mm-hmm. uh, all, all the creators here and um so ultimately, in ways, I think I've had some nice things to do with her, her family, <laughs> Melissa and Blake. But, they, um, they are so good together on screen, too. And off screen. They're just a, a lovely couple. Yeah, really That's great. Re- that must be really fun to write. It's so fun to watch them, to write and to, to watch them together on screen. And, that's awesome. Yeah, it's that's so funny. Fun. Um, Sorry, I got off track. No, that's all right. I, I, the sort of the bigger question is, like, contending, this is a big thing, you know, it, it may as well be Superman. And oh, Flash. Is, well, that's the fun of it. Is, is, with... is like Jimmy Olsen's awesome, and he's sort of, um, <laughs> you know, like Superman, but he's he's not. And Flash is uh, a superhero in, in as much as you sort of relate to y- your same thing. So um, to watch Kara and... Um, Barry is it's it's really they have a wonderful chemistry. Sure. Um, the the sort of macro question though is oh, the brass kind of tacks of the sister to, net, network and how yeah, did that I mean, actually occur? Between that and and even going back to just pitching it is like you're still contending with Warner Brothers and all of these different hands in these yeah. major characters. We never pitched the CW on this uh, on Supergirl. No, we. I mean, I think we always saw it as this like super show and weren't sure if that was something that, you know, necessarily anyone could figure out how to do on, on the CW. And so, um, we were really excited, uh, that CBS like immediately just, uh, I think at the beginning when we were talking about a crossover, cause it, it always is like, you know, I know the creators of the other exactly. show. So, <laughs> so I if might that's have a possible, yeah, if I can get word to the flash people, um, and it just seemed natural, uh, that I think the hurdle to overcome was less about business affairs, although, um, both Mark Pedowitz at CW and Peter Roth, Warner Brothers, and I. I mean, I think um, CBS also as uh, sister network is the CW. So there's definitely this synergy at work, uh, and um, I think for this to happen, we had to make sense of where uh, narratively it could exist in a world where Barry doesn't have Superman on his planet. Hmm. So if he doesn't have Superman, he doesn't have Supergirl. So I think uh, they answered that on Flash a little, Mm -hmm. and so we could naturally uh, take that branch. Sure, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Do you guys... I would imagine this would have gone on more in the beginning, but did you have to contend with the movies, the feature stuff, and, like, what Warner Brothers has plans for. The only, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of DC, they've been extremely, Jeff Johns has been extremely helpful to us, uh, you know, and since the beginning of this project talking about it. Um, I think they're protective of, you know, their movies that are coming out soon, and that's great if if those are successful. Obviously, that brand is, uh, you know, affects us, too. Um, So I think when it came to, like, the large villains. 
I mean, I think honestly in success, anything is possible. Sure. Hint, hint. <laughs> but um, yeah, they've been super generous. Interesting. Um, let's let's kind of go back. And... I hate when I say super. Now I can't say super anymore. <laughs> you really can't. I apologize. You can say arrow, though. Arrow <laughs> I said quiver. I mean, I'm really risking being a little punny. Here. Yeah, you're a real Mad Magazine <laughs> yeah, over <totally>. here. <laughs> um, I'd like to hear about um, some of your early experiences. I mean, it looks like you started out in oh, yeah, sitcoms. Was, yeah. Uh, what was the first room you were in? The Dick Van Dyke show. No, I'm kidding. I know. It just seemed a long time ago. Um, <laughs> that long ago. No. It, it's, uh, my first credit was a one-hour. Uh, I, I did Beverly Hills 90210, and I was very young, the original series. Oh, um, I wrote their iconic episode, Euphoria. And so if you find... Like, when everyone did acid? It's Euphoria, Ben. Um, <laughs> it was, at the time... Um, it was, I mean, it's ecstasy. So, so I wanted to do like a guy at a club and I was 22 or something and he could have an X on his t-shirt and they were like, no, because then kids would know to buy and take ecstasy. So I was like, I had to come up with this, you know, sim ecstasy, which is, I was driving around one day and I saw someone's license plate and it said U, like the letter U for the numeral four E A. And I'm like, it's euphoria. And, uh, then I think we did a t-shirt with Euphoria. But how, a long time ago. how did you get that script? Were you on staff there? I was, oh God, no, I just really, it's, I just feel 10,000 years old. Um, I, I was at, um, I was at UCLA and I wrote some uh, creative writing major in short story and my dad was like, what are you going to do with your life? Like, how are you going to pay the rent? And really short stories, I don't know if they've changed in terms of their economic success, but... (laughs) Yeah, I think it's gotten worse, uh, if anything. Yeah. So I wrote a couple of specs and a friend of mine who actually is an Emmy-winning writer, Elaine Pope, she got them to uh, an agent of William Morris and my first job was 9210 and it was fairly... That's crazy. It was fairly breezy. That does mean that it has been breezy always, but it was uh, it was a really fortuitous time. That's interesting. On those those first specs that you write that you wrote, did, how did you even know how to do them? Oh, I mean, it was no. I just seen a little. I mean, I think. When I was little, I got in trouble for bad grades, for getting like like C's in math, and mm-hmm. my parents took away my privilege to watch television. And so um, I bought one of those, like, you know, I sound like I'm 800, but one of those radios that has TV channels on the dial, and I would like jam it to the right, and there was like Little House on the Prairie, and um, I would listen to like... The, wood, the wooden shoes on the wood floor uh-huh. and Pa taking out his violin <laughs> and the sound of the horses and it made me uh, be really aware of a timing that um, I might not otherwise and awesome. I was a great studier because I just like <laughs> um, that's so, really yeah, so. funny so then you must have gotten your hands on some scripts and you know just to yeah, formatting I, yeah, and, for so sure. what were those first specs oh that my you God, I'm no. always curious about this please stuff. don't make stuff. me say this out loud on Come a podcast on. I mean Really, mine was uh, Will and Grace. If that helps, God, well, it does. But mine is so much more dated than that. I mean, that is a fresh that and was adorable. Like Twenty years ago. Oh, don't tell my friend that's much. That. Uh, I will tell you the answer, which is thirty something. I wrote okay. two thirty something specs, and uh, you know, I just really had uh, a great time just finding. Uh, I just thought it was a, a really rhapsodic, beautiful. Um, you know, just so many talented people on that show, and I ended up getting. Uh, a meeting with Ed and Marshall no from them, and I, um, they were like, "This is great. They're great. You're really great, and you're 22." Right. <laughs> so, you have nothing. Yeah, yes, yeah, we have nothing. Because there is something that breaks inside you in your 30s, Absolutely. where like you have a pain around your children, or heartbreak, <laughs> or like a divorce, or a breakup that yeah. you just don't have when you're fresh and spry and juicy at 22. <laughs> I don't care how good an imagination yeah, you have. Yeah, I mean, it, it's true. That's really funny. Um, so, were you, so you were in the room on 90210. Yeah. Um, were you there how, for how long? That was a very, like, top-heavy... Uh, it was, like, the stories were broken, like, Darren Starr and Charles Rose. It was, you know, we, we did it in a small way. Mm-hmm. Um, I was there for, I think, just the, that second season. Um, was Darren Starr the showrunner then? Charles Rosen was, okay. but Darren was very present. Mm-hmm. And, you know. um, 
And so you must have just learned everything just by being in the room at that point. Yeah, and also, you know, it's like bouncing. And, and then I, I went into half hour, mm-hmm. which was, you know, the room is very intense. It's like you never, ever leave the room. You you uh, metaphorically grow a beard. And um, I, I was in, uh, I started on a show called It's Like You Know, mm-hmm. which was uh, Peter Melman, <laughs> who was on Seinfeld for many years. And, uh, and it was his show about his LA, LA experience mm-hmm. as a journalist. And it was, it was great fun. And that room was so interesting because I think he took so much from Larry David. Um, well, I was actually curious about that because you know what we've heard about the Seinfeld room is there wasn't really a room. It was just people would go and pitch stories to Exactly. Larry and I think that that was interesting in, in a half hour time when I was like, well, is, is this what a half hour looks like? Yeah. And it was a lot of autonomy and discussion with, and I think that has its virtues. And then, um, where did I go after that? Did you, before that, did you, did you have to write new material? Did you have to, you know, like, Oh, like, yes, I had to write, like, writer. a half hour, I don't know, maybe a Sex in the City or something like that. Yeah. Um, and was this a push from representation? I think representation said make sure that all the tools that you have are sharp. And if you, you know, I, I'm, it was always this hard thing. That's why I'm so excited about things like Supergirl or Glee, like, was nice for me because it was like, I'm, I write emotionally and I write, um, funny stuff and I think at that time it was like you were one or the other it's now I mean I yeah. guess I guess the kids say fluid but like <laughs> you know you don't have to like declare what you are you're just a writer yeah. um when uh, in that journey when I was going through like half hour hour I went on a very terrible show and I only tell this story because um it's it's really it's like stick to your guns people mm-hmm. because I was on a show called flipper and the writing room was like this guy named Ernie, me, and this man named Terry Winter. Awesome. And it was just us. And it was like, well, then what happens with the dolphin? <laughs> and then someone puts an ice cream in his blowhole. But at some point, me and Terry were like fired from Flipper. And and I went home and I actually talked to... Um, my friend Elaine Pope, this this writer, mm-hmm. and she said, "Oh, honey, you want to be fired from Flipper?" <laughs> but um, it's my favorite. That then, like Terry, of course, wins. Right. You know, Emmys and gets up and says, <laughs> "I want to thank a dolphin from uh, Australia." But it's. I mean, I, I talked to Terry too, and it sounds like he has a similar story of like you go through these shows where you pick things up and you mm-hmm. learn the craft, and it it really is a dues paying that yeah. is harder and harder to do these days. They're just. Yeah, and it's, al- sure it's also very difficult, to, I think, to stick to your guns. Like, what someone might think is awful is brilliant. You know, yeah. if, you're, if you're fired from Flipper, remember that <laughs> uh, what you have is still totally valuable. Mm-hmm. It just might not be to the dolphin's liking, you know. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's really a process of um, know your worth, know how special you are, know what your value is, write what you know and be passionate about it. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that will translate. Yeah. If you're excited about it, someone will be excited about it and, and maybe hopefully then viewers. That's true. I mean, there's also the, the as a showrunner, you're contending with all of these voices who do have something uh, How to many say. times do your parents have to say, I don't mean my parents in particular, but like <laughs> a parent has to say you're worthless, you know, for you to go out and be a failure. So if you believe, you know, as now I sound like a rabbi, but, but it's, it's, uh, I think it's sort of what you're willing to offer the world on the page. Hmm. Um, someone, no one is saying to Jill Soloway, write the trans show. It will win you every award. They're going, well, that's not marketable. And I, I don't know, you know, Jill very well. Though. I'm right. a tremendous fan of the show. But, but I just am so inspired by that journey of, like, believing in what you're doing, being passionate about what you're doing. And, and it translated so spectacularly. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I mean, we see that with someone. Like, I feel like Transparent is the clearest, Perfect. sort of yeah. rawest form of that. But even with and it's so like special, it's that. so specific, and it's mm-hmm. so you know particular that it only can come from yes. that. Absolutely. And I mean, and sorry, you're saying that. No, but I'm curious. What is, what is that for you? I mean, you've created shows, you've mm-hmm. run shows, you've worked on shows. Have you gotten to do that pure essence of your story um, yet? I think, you know, these are all pieces of me, for sure. I mean, being on Family Guy or Glee or having those experiences. Um, Chuck was a really wonderful experience because the, it just felt so unbridled. It was a time where... Um, 
the hybrid was just sort of invented. Like, I think that show sort of fell into that, and there was so much romance and emotion and stunts and heart and um, visual effects. I mean, it was just when visual effects were starting. So it was this great feeling of sort of being at college, and uh, no one was like, stop, hold back, don't do that. So it was always like, what if we... And it was just yes, a lot. Mm -hmm. So we did a lot of crazy things, and I remember on that show... Um, the character, the the female um, protagonist, Sarah Walker. Um, I, I I always wanted to write that show, hmm. and and interestingly, I think we're doing that here on Supergirl because if you look at Kyler's character, she's Supergirl without the superpowers, and uh, she's physically so sharp, and her she's mentally so um, in tune, and she just is. Uh, unbridled and boundless and what she knows or the skill sets we've yet to reveal so I think in ways um, that is Supergirl for me and, and I that's was cool. yeah that's really nice to hear uh, are there are there shows that you've worked on that have not been your shows where you felt like you've been able to tell a personal story just as a writer on the staff um, on Glee um, in the show with Santana, in the storyline with Santana and uh, and Brittany, um, Santana comes out to her grandmother, her abuela, and her grandmother narratively never speaks to her again. And I have a 98-year-old uh, grandmother in Florida <laughs> who hasn't spoken to me since I was 18. And it's not. And it's so funny because when I meet people that were affected by that or. Um, talk about it or on social media at that time it was like people were like that's no fair when is abuela going to accept santana and the truth is the story is just ongoing it's you know someday um you know my grandmother doesn't know my kids and that's her loss mm-hmm. and and uh, but i think many times all the best stories are ultimately um personal ones mm-hmm. was uh, about that glee story specifically was that scary for you to write what are you going to do, not talk to me? <laughs> I think... Extra I think, not talk yes, to me. ex-double not know my children. Um, I think the, it was very cathartic, you know? That's and great. I think it was uh, saying the words, and it certainly was inspired by my grandmother's words, but uh, I, th- I think it's it's helpful for anyone out there to, who faces a similar um, story to see that, you know, we're not alone and all of that. But it's, I think any story uh, in, in our staff here or any of the best stories are always, you know, something that happened to us when I think on, on the Thanksgiving episode uh, here, it was like, it's Thanksgiving. We got to tell, uh, you know, Alex is coming out to her mom, and that's a family fight at Thanksgiving with booze because you've had that story, and I've had that story, and someone's always having a fight, a little drunky fight at Thanksgiving, and so you know, universal stories, whether you know, you're gay cheerleaders uh, at, at um, McKinley or not, you're, you're going to understand the story of feeling, um, oh, you know, sure. misunderstood and left out. And it's funny. I mean. We did go for so long, but hearing about, you know, writing a 30-something and being oh, with it's like, but like, it feels like that's where we are again, that we're getting to do these kind of small scale, but important to the characters' mm-hmm. stories where for 15 years in between there, yeah. it was all, you know, law and order, where it was just about plot. Well, there's so many beautiful shows on cable, I mean... And and I think you know, as large as our shows are, um, as the show is, we do, we still try to keep it personal, uh, like that. Because at the end of the day, we only have this much visual effects budget. We only have this much time on the day for stunts. Um, and ultimately, these are the, if we can achieve um, something here by relating to the audience uh, personally, she's you know a, like she's not human, but even though she's Kryptonian, she's all. Ours, you yeah. know, we, and so if we can identify, that's hopefully um, the, the thing we're looking for. Um, I wanted to talk about Glee. Oh, great. Um, I haven't talked to a lot of writers from Glee. Um, it, it sounds, based on what I know of Ryan Murphy's other shows, it sounds like in a sort of atypical writer's room experience. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your, your... I mean, it sounds like you had a very well, positive experience I, had, I mean, there I overall. did three different shows with Ryan. So yeah. I was on Glee, which um, uh, myself and I think three other writers were brought in in addition to Ian and, uh, mm-hmm. and um, Brad and um, 
Ryan, and so that was in the third season. So it was like they had just seen each other, like they were lost in the wilderness together. <laughs> so it was like, wait, tell me a crazy anecdote. So all those other stories kind of informed um, new narrative, which was helpful. But uh, then I broke off with Ryan and did the new normal, right. and um, that was a really. I mean, it, it was interesting because it, it was sort of simultaneous to Ryan's life where um, he had gotten a surrogate for he and his husband to have, I think, then their first son, and they've subsequently had a, a second mm-hmm. son. But it was very inspired um, by his own personal um, life. And, you know, I have two kids with my ex, um, and we sort of, you know, traded off taking uh, turns having mm-hmm. each kid. And so I have my own new normal. Um, so that was a really interesting experience coming from Glee, where I think it's so big and loud and choreographed. And this was a much more, and half hour on NBC new normal, so it was a much more, um, uh, I don't know, it, it, it was uh, interesting because I think it was a more like, I'm honest. Uh, hmm. It's comedy, but it was like real. So um, you know, we we had to look for ways to find that comedy hook. And I, I mean, I loved the show, and I loved working with that cast. It was so great, and um, it, it was a really, a really nice time. And then I went, and uh, he had done um, a pie. He'd gotten he'd gotten a series order for a show at HBO mm-hmm. uh, called Open and I worked on that for uh, in between this show and so I have three different experiences yeah. Ryan and I think I mean each is its own um, I think it's very much uh, a big brainchild of all three and it's interesting that you know, like some people on Glee, like Ian has so much of the voice of Sue Sylvester and Brad has so much of that love relationship with Leah and Corey. It's like everyone has their thing. And I think that's its ingredients in the kitchen again. You know, people get passionate and those are the stories that they tend to champion. Mm -hmm. It's interesting hearing about the the transition from Glee to New Normal, though, Mm. where like you didn't have that crutch of the musical or the gloss of the the genre. He also had never done um, Half Hour, and so I was speaking for that, and it was really like a a great and crazy room, and uh, I had vowed never to do Half Hour again after, you know, some of my more embittered uh, Half Hour moments, uh, I mean, in in all its theory, but I... I, um, I, I just hated those late night mm-hmm. grinds with like dumb white men, like you know, eating competitions and you know, pornography. It's like a fraternity in mm-hmm. in some uh, types, and so I was like not wanting to do it again. And then, you know, I promise you, it was not a fraternity at Ryan's. <laughs> it it was very chic. <laughs> I remember in the pilot writing. Um, Okay, so we want to go to a department store. So, uh, okay, Ryan, so, like, what was to do? Write Interior Barney's Day? And he's like, write it. And then it was like, my dream come true. Eileen, I mean, it was like 6.59 and Barney's was closing and the charity guard's like, sorry, ma'am, you can't come in. And I'm like, yes, I can. And then I entered Barney's and it was like, you know, Charlie and Chocolate Factory. It was just so, so crazy. So, I mean, I just had some really incredible... um, experiences like that, just making dreams come true. <laughs> if you told young Allie Adler that I could get Barney's all by myself, watch the crew look at the price tags and marvel over both the expense and the fact that a man would never wear that particular swim trunk. But yeah, it's... Um, That's hilarious. Did you uh, did you have to think more about jokes on that show? Because yeah, but situationally it was mm-hmm. absurd because so much of... Um, uh, Andrew Rannell's character uh, is inspired by Ryan, so it's like I mean I can play a game called like what would Ryan say, and <laughs> it's really he's he's very funny in ways. Um, sometimes Cat Grant says things Ryan would would say. Oh, that's um, really funny. It's I just think what I love about Cat Grant is that. Um, She's the most honest person. She'll tell the truth no matter what. She doesn't uh, have false auspices. And ultimately, that's beneficial to people to hear the truth. Just from the storytelling, I mean, again, you're dealing with 20 episodes, which is a lot these days. 
but from a storytelling point of view... We wanted 24. Well, sure. <laughs> well I, I'm afraid you wouldn't make it. I actually, I actually think 20 is perfect. Uh, we got to tell the story, you know, mm-hmm. how you get to, like those numbers in the middle where like you know you know what the initial arc is and you know what the back few are and it's just like I I think that uh, uh, CBS was very wise and and this exhausted hardworking crew I mean I've never seen a more extraordinary bunch of writers or uh, crew members or actors that just like Around the clock. The, yeah, from a storytelling point of yeah. view, there's no filler, which has to feel so good as as the writers of it. Yeah, we kitchen sink, we call it. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Um, what I was curious about, though, is you know, knowing that you have this many episodes to fill with story. Do you guys find yourselves challenged looking for new turns in relationships? I mean, I'm thinking of Kat and Kara specifically. Um. I'm so tempted to, to correct you and say Cara, uh, you're but, right. but you're, you you're sound right. like Cat Grant, exactly. so I, I appreciate you identifying <laughs> with her. Um, I think you know, for for 75 years, DC has provided so many stories, and that we have this well of uh, villains and supervillains, and I think you know we're we're young in this world. So if we were uh, you know hard pressed for a story at at 19, uh, that wouldn't say a lot about uh, our future. I think that we are hungry. To tell more stories and to watch the evolution of this woman grow as she's taken this mantle and um, and uh, really run with run with um, with her her power. Mm-hmm. This idea of really putting it all in there, this kitchen sink mm. approach. Um, where does that leave you for well, season two? Well, you don't two? look back and go, I wish we'd gone slower. You know, you don't, you don't, in life, I mean, yeah. in life you go, what what day is today? What can I do today? What can I do to make this day the most, you know, memorable Wednesday of my life? So I think that's what we, we um, that's our goal. Um, I think in terms of villains, we want her in the most danger so she can, you know, save the most. And of course the person she saved the most is herself. She was this, uh, person who was not being at her potential. And that's our message to everybody is be everything, uh, every day and, you know, helping others helps yourself. Are there challenges specific to Supergirl, to this character or this show that you guys have had to sort of find your way out of? Challenges narratively, like, um, well, I mean, I think we ran into that question of, I mean, it's the Clark Kent question of, like, how do people not recognize Kara? I mean, that's the buy, right? (laughs) So we did have Kat Grant ask that question around Mm -hmm. episode 108, where she, you know, I accuse you of being this person. And we, I thought, uh, you know, our our answer to that in uh, 9 was, um, I thought it was great. So, as I said, I think we'll put this out, you know, around the time of uh, 18, is it 18, 19? Um, is there stuff you can talk about for the end of the season that you're particularly excited about? Talk about about the kitchen sink. Um, I mean, I think we want to jumpstart and reset in, in, in the second season. And so we have all, uh, our eggs in a basket. And I think we, um, very fully answer, um, the arc of our season. Like, I think it really is a beautiful bookend for, uh, the pilot and still, and, and she, um, I think narratively, it's it feels really emotional and cool, and it still has this tremendous cliffhanger, and it leaves all our characters in a much different position than they were um, in 101, in 201. So, I mean, I hope it's I hope it's effective. I hope people watch it. We're working really hard, and uh, I haven't said enough. I think about Melissa Benoist, who just is like number one on the call sheet, but like number one on the people person. Like she's That's just great. the best, and you know, no stunt too big, no uh, line too twisty. She's just really incredible. That's great, it's great an amazing cast. It's, it's it really, really is. everyone loves each other. It's not like one of those, you know, BS things. It's uh, Calista Flockhart is a personal inspiration for me. She's just just amazing, and uh, David and Kyler and Jeremy and Makai, just a really wonderful group of people. That's great to hear. I mean, it, it it comes through on the screen, I have to say. Like, you can tell when people are like their job, you know, whether it's, and, and it's from the top down, from the writers oh, to the great, cast yeah. to everyone, and 
Listen, we can watch Melissa all day. Like, <laughs> I hope you guys do. I don't need the Supergirl parts. I'll just watch her interacting oh, with the other characters. Favorite. She's yeah. so charming. Yeah. Um, I mean, you guys had to have known that you had this secret weapon. I mean, I would say of Melissa Benoist and Cara Danvers is that the strongest muscle she has is her heart. Mm-hmm. It absolutely comes through. Uh, we'll wrap up, as we always do, by asking what you are watching on television these days. Do you have time to watch uh, television? I am such a garbage troller. It's so terrible. <laughs> I mean, watching? I'm such a fan of, like, the Americans. I look forward to that and with such bated breath. And I have... Um, seasons of stuff, a homeland and that I've, you know, saved up. Yes. Like I just <laughs> have hoarded this year because I really have not had a chance to watch narrative television. Yeah. Um, but over, <laughs> you know, to tune my brain out in the small hours that I have when I'm not either typing or, or exhausted somewhere in the middle of the night with an explosion going off, I really watch a lot of like Kardashians. I think it's very girl power. I really do. I think it's about family and sisters and oh women, and I, they get out in front of the bad stuff and support each other. I know, I know. But I, I can give I've a heard. dissertation on the Kardashians. <laughs> Literally, I've seen every season. It's. I really think I they are it. a strong, super uh, legion of heroes. Uh, but it's, it's stuff like that. The housewives. I know it's terrible. I that wish. I wish I didn't fill the coffers with so much garbage. But no, this I can't is, help it. I get it. Like, like you're on a show, you go home, you want to turn off your brain. Survivor, yeah, I, I really, Listen, yeah. Don't knock Survivor. Oh, Big Brother, Survivor, all seasons. <laughs> but I'll, I'll watch narrative TV with like, you know, when when we have a small break in between seasons, right. I hope. I'm knocking wood. Um, I, 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 there's nothing I relish more than like a weekend of the best TV. Mm-hmm. What was the stuff that you grew up watching? What was the stuff that you were like, was there, what I'm really curious about is like, Finding that thing that you saw and went, oh, somebody I made that. I want to be that yeah. thing. I don't know. I think it was a little potpourri, and that's why I'm so like uh, hybridy. Mm-hmm. Is you know those half hours, the not that I watch them in live time, but like the Norman Lear stuff that's just mm-hmm. so inspirational and so real with real people and real problems, and feels so uh, connected to to real life. And then. I, you know, I loved like Alias and, you know, I just really, uh, badass and, and gritty and, um, I don't know. Yeah, no, that makes, it makes so much sense. Again, looking at your, your resume and like there's the DNA of this stuff. is And then like Saturday Night Live, like it's all yeah. those, it's, it's the melange. It's, you know? And it's amazing that, you know, you get to do it now. It's That's exciting. really cool. It's super. See, so I said it that super. time with purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you so much, me. Ben. Now leaving Nerdist.com. 